0: Welcome back to What the HR podcast. I'm Jesse Novi, an HR business partner with CH Robinson.
1: And I'm Mike Toole, an HR technology consultant with SAP Success Factors.
0: Welcome back to another episode of What the HR. Today we're joined by Matt Schlegel and we're talking about the topic of Enneagram. So Matt started studying the Enneagram back in 2002, and his realization that the Enneagram can be applied to teams as well as individuals led to the tools and strategies for work team effectiveness, which he describes and talks about in his most recent book called Teamwork 9.0. In today's episode, we talk about what the Enneagram is, how the Enneagram could be compared to other personality assessments, such as Insights Discovery, DISC, Strength Finders, Myers-Briggs, to name a few. We also talked about how Enneagram can be used to help teams communicate and work together more effectively, and also some great resources that Matt provides. Um, In addition to a location, you can go to take the Enneagram for free if you're curious what your Enneagram score is. So we hope that you love this episode and all of the fun information that that Matt shared with us. If you are loving our episodes, please do us a huge favor and go out to your favorite podcast platform, leave us a rating and review so that we can get all of this great information and uh, resources about our guests out to other HR professionals and business leaders. Well, Matt, welcome to the What the HR podcast. Mike and I are really excited to have you here today. So thank you for your time.
2: Well, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here.
0: You're welcome. Well, at the top of the podcast, we gave our listeners a little bit about your background, but would love for you to share, too, just a little bit about yourself. And even more specifically, since we're going to be talking about Enneagram today as our topic, if you could share with our listeners how you became to become kind of an Enneagram expert and what you specialize within the Enneagram space.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I, I started as an engineer and, you know, as I worked through my career, um, I, I was promoted to a leadership position and, you know, I was wondering, you know, why, why are you promoting me to a leadership position? I I don't know anything about, Leading people, I only know about leading electrons, and they said, "Don't worry, you'll be fine." And you know, I wasn't fine. I was worried, so I started to learn, you know, you know, different tools and um, techniques, and read a lot. And um, along that journey, I discovered the tool um, that that we're going to talk about today, the Enneagram. And um and I found it fascinating. One uh, it it's it's often used as a personality tool, um, and it describes these nine distinct types. And so as I used it, I found that wow, this is this is very powerful. It's very helpful for me to work with my team, understand what their perspectives are, where they're coming from, you know, how to better communicate with them. So it's very, rich in terms of of how you can use it as a leadership tool. So I'm, I'm curious,
1: Matt, there are a lot of, and I know it's not just a personality assessment, but there are a lot of tools out there. When you looked into Enneagram, what was it specifically about
2: it that it stood out from all the other ones? Right, right. Well, you know, so I think the, the most interesting aspect to me, and again, you know, going back to the fact that I'm an engineer and I have this engineering training, you know, engineers think about time. They think about how things evolve over time. And a lot of the systems that are out there, um, like, you know, Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders or DISC, you know, they're, they're more of a snapshot. They kind of just give you this snapshot of, you know, how things are at that particular point in time, whereas the Enneagram actually has time built into it and um, it tells, you know, it can tell you how you might be changing even during the day, depending on your stress levels, you know, are you face, facing something stressful? You're going to start to behave more this way. If you're feeling more relaxed, you're going to behave more this way. And and that really appealed to me as, as, a, uh, as an engineer and then also as a leader, you know, trying to understand my team and, you know, what stresses they're under and how they're responding to those.
0: So for a listener who is maybe not as familiar with Enneagram based on what you just shared, they may be asking themselves, well, differently from like a disc or a strength finders, does my Enneagram score then change based on if I'm going through a season that's really stressful or if I'm on vacation and I'm kind of like in the best state of mind that I could be? What would you what would you say to that if somebody asked you that question?
2: So the short answer is yes. Um, you know the, the the interesting thing about testing is when you're taking one of these assessments, um, you're influenced by you know how you're feeling that day. You're influenced by um, you know where you are in the environment, you know, are are you at work or are you at home? And so there's a lot of influencing factors. And so I always tell people when they take um, the Enneagram assessment to, uh, you know, use it more as a process of elimination than a determination of your style. So if you Um, maybe um, score high on two or three different styles, then just focus on those and um, kind of explore, you know, how each one of those feels and fits. And then from there, you can um, start to get at what your core, your primary or starting point dynamic is. Um, The first time I took the test I scored um, highest on type eight. And um, I'm not a type eight, but the environment that I was working in, um, you know, there were type eights in the environment. It kind of the expectation is that you would behave in that way. And so as you're going through that checklist, you're like, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, I do that. Mm -hmm. And then you end up testing highest as a type that Isn't necessarily your starting point. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Enneagram also has something that they call wings. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the wings and what that means compared to maybe the prompt, the predominant number?
2: Right. Right. So, yeah. So the Enneagram describes um, nine distinct styles. But as you get to know the Enneagram, you realize, and by the way, I'm a I'm type six, mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of variation uh, in type sixes. You can meet one type six and they behave one way. There's another type six um, can be completely different. Um, and so there within the Enneagram, there's, um, some, you know, tools like wings or subtypes that help you understand the variations within that core dynamic. So specifically to wings, you know, the, the, the best way I've come to think about wings is, um as a a determination of whether you're more introverted or extroverted. Like if you if you go around the Enneagram, you know, so so type six, you know, on one side, you have type 5 and the other side is type seven. So those are the wings. It's the numbers on either side of of your main um, type. And so if you're a type six, and you're more on the introverted side, that starts to feel more like that quiet observing type five. And if you're more on the extroverted side, then you're going to look more like that enthusiastic type seven. And pretty much if you go around the, the the enneagram you you'll see that one side is a little quieter and another side is a little more outgoing and so um you know that's that's one way i use i use the wings to kind of describe the variations in extroversion and introversion that you'll see with any type.
1: So I'm I'm gonna be the person on this podcast who doesn't know anything about Enneagram and ask very basic questions. And so starting kind of taking a step back can you talk about the types, you know, yeah. maybe not in detail, but you mentioned you're
2: an eight. I mean, yeah. Well, I'm actually a type six. You're a,
1: I... you're a six, right? So yeah. what, like, what what do those types mean and how do they apply to you as an individual? And also thinking about somebody listening who maybe wants to leverage this in their business, you know, how does it apply in the business
2: world as well to a manager or just teams in general? Right, right. Well, so the, the the interesting thing about the the Enneagram is, you know, it, it's really a, a a tool to understand human dynamics. And so you know, if if it's true, if it's it's a, a real thing, you should see it everywhere that you see humanity. and and you do and you start to see these patterns. So the Enneagram, Is is it starts out with nine distinct types, but you can also think of it as three groups of three. So there's the the gut people, who um, are tend to rely on their instincts, and the heart people, who are tend to be driven by their feelings, and then the the head people who are more in their thoughts. Right. So you have these three dynamics, and then. In each of those three, there's three different styles. So you essentially have the three groups of three, which is the nine types. Now, one place that you this really stands out is the Wizard of Oz, right? Because now you have Dorothy and she's being counseled by these three archetypes. It's the lion who wants courage. It's the tin man who you know, wants a heart. And it's the scarecrow who wants a brain, right? So, so those are the three main dynamics that are talked about in the enneagram. And, and, it, and here's another really interesting thing: is because you know we all have all of these in us, right? So, type six, for instance, my starting point is in my head. I, I think, and, and so, but this, that doesn't mean I don't have feelings. And it doesn't mean I don't have my instincts and my guts. It's just that I have that starting point. And so you have all of these, and you can even think of them as intelligences, right? You have your head intelligence, your feeling intelligence, and your gut intelligence. And um, and the Wizard of Oz, one way to look at it is you have Dorothy walking around and her three intelligences are counseling her on her journey through Oz. And so that's kind of the the way you can look at it.
1: How does it apply to like building teams? I guess like, you know, if if I'm gonna leverage this tool and I wanna build, whether it's a more diverse team or just a better performing team, do different types work better with others? You mentioned it's just a starting point. So it's not kind of the end all be all right but how does it how does it relate in terms of maybe conflict resolution within the workplace or just strategy
2: in general right well so now so now you're getting into you know what really um you know fascinated me about the enneagram and why i became so passionate about it why i um you know wrote my book you know teamwork 9.0 is is to highlight this uh, teamwork aspect of the Enneagram. So you have these nine types and they all have their nine strengths, but how do you get them to all, you know, work together in and contribute to problem solving? And, um, and so one of the things that you'll notice in the Enneagram is that it, it's, it looks like a clock it looks looks like a circle with numbers around it. And so one of the questions i asked myself was why are they numbers? You know, why why aren't they colors or letters or you know any other number of things. Well, in researching it more, i did i found that the the reason why it's numbers is because it represents steps in a process. It's it's literally the process by which humans solve problems. And so I I detail that in in the book of how how you can use the enneagram as a problem-solving process. What? But now that you have a problem-solving process with nine steps and also a personality system with nine types and there's a one-to-one mapping, you can start to realize oh how who's who's going to lead at this step in problem solving who's going to be like the natural leader and so as you know as a problem solver you can start to appreciate how each one of these dynamics contributes to the team in that distinctive way and so it 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 really brings out that importance of style diversity on teams. Like mm-hmm. if you want to build a resilient, robust team that's able to handle, you know, any number of situations, then you really want to have a team that is has all that style diversity built into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that's one way. Mm-hmm. And then and then you can also use it as a diagnostic tool as well. You know, so when you're um you're working with a team and they get stuck in certain ways, right? You know, so like we, we have words for these things like, you know, paralysis by analysis, you know, a team that overthinks things. Well, if, as you work through problem solving, right, what do people want to do? They want one, they want to play to their strengths and go to the thing that they love to do. And then the hardest style for any Enneagram type to do is the next higher number. You know, so if, you, if you're if you an analyst, you know, and you're a, a type five, so that's that's one of the names for the analyst, right? So one, you want to go to that point in problem solving where you're analyzing everything and that's your comfort zone. So the next highest or the next higher number is the six. The six is the one that says, okay, I now see the path forward to get to the goal and they make a decision. Let's go in this direction. The five though is still kind of immersed in all of the nuance and detail of all the information they're collecting. And they don't have that same inclination to say, okay, I got it. Let's go forward. So, if by having a diverse team, then you can help the team. One, you can a- a- acknowledge when they're going to really contribute strongly. But then you have the other styles that say, okay, we spent enough time here. Let's move to the next step in the problem-solving process.
0: Yeah, Does I see it. Sense? Yeah, those are really great examples, Madden. I, as you were talking through those, there was two things that were coming to mind is any good team is comprised of an individual who leads with their heart, an individual who leads with their mind, and an individual who leads with their gut so that they can all uh, play devil's advocate with one another and add those specific pieces of value to the, to the team. And then as a result of that, given that a majority of our listeners are HR professionals. There's a lot of work that we do in our industry um, around communication and change management. And we're always needing to, you know, half the time wear our business hat, half the time wear our people hat, mostly mostly having our people hat on. And when you think about people, you also have to be thinking about how is this going to impact, you know, somebody's head, their heart, and their gut as we're rolling out a project or impacting something from a change management perspective. So I think the way that you describe that, I'm obviously simplifying those really great examples that you gave, but those were a couple of things that came to mind.
2: Yeah. And um, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, you can't always expect to have, you know, a team with nine people and, you know, you know, perfectly balanced, right. It's it, it just doesn't happen. Um, And you know so so how do you put together teams that do have you know all three of those intelligences at you know in play and one of the things that i noticed just working with different teams over the years is that there's this natural affinity for certain types to come together so for instance, you'll see the type one perfectionist, the type four artist, and the type seven enthusiast come together. Now, when you look at those, you'll, you'll notice that one, there's one from each one of those groups, right? And, um, and, and in the same way, I also see the two, type two, the type five, and the type eight come together and they form a really good working team where you know they're very complementary they all get along one from each group and then the final one is the 3 the 6 the 9 you know so i love working with 3s and 9s it's just like it's like falling off a log it's so easy um there's very little conflict it's very complementary and so it's it's great that You know, we, we all have these instincts to like work with people that we like to work with. And there, there are these groups of three that we can work with and really form a very balanced team where we're, we're, we're including all, all intelligences and all perspectives.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So in terms of applying this to the business, like I, I'm a frontline manager let's say and I got a team of 6 people and we do this I find out everybody's scores or everybody's types. What do I do now like how do I how do I leverage the information that I have knowing
2: the types of people I have on my team? How do I put it into practice? Right. So and and here's one of the things that I really love about the Enneagram is you know for leaders. So, you know, if if you're a leader of a team, then I think um, more than any of the other tools, the Enneagram is the best because it speaks to underlying motivation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're a leader and you're trying to figure out how best to motivate, motivate a teammate, you know, or you know, someone on your team, you know. It, it, the the first thing that most leaders do is they just look at the way they're motivated right and they just assume that well i'm motivated this way so everybody else is going to be motivated the same way as well but that's not true there's actually nine distinct motivations so as a leader you want to know that you, you want to know your own style but you don't want to impose your own you know, motivating forces on other people because it often won't work. So that's, so that's where, um, a leader, you know, once, once you're down at the level where you kind of know the, the, um, styles of your teammates, you can use it in that way to have conversations with them, to frame objectives in a way that makes sense to them and motivates them to, to reach the goal. Yeah. So
1: I think of when you say that, I think of a lot of like hoorah stuff that whether it's motivating videos or, you know, quote of the day, some people find that great and some people find that off-putting. Yes. Right. Exactly. So that, that's what you mean by understanding the different types and how it motivates other
2: people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what what might motivate one person really well you know might have no meaning at all to another person. And um and and this is where um conflicts can arise as well, right? Because there's now you've got this tension and this misunderstanding because you're not meeting that person where they're at and you're yeah. not framing it in a way that makes sense to them. And um you know so so that's I, I think as a leadership tool, that's one of the, the most valuable things.
1: So, so then what do you do as a leader? I mean, you got six people, let's say on your team, like, yeah, I don't have enough time to go to every single person like it's So is it how you build your team?
2: Well, you know, so, so once, you know, once everybody knows their style, right. Um, and if you do it as a team, then, you know, Hey, you know, you're a one, you're a two, you're a three, you know, everybody kind of starts to know. And, and you, you can give your team the vocabulary now to, to talk about these style differences. And so the one, you know, is the perfectionist, right? They're, they're thinking about, I've got, I've got to get this right. I've got to get it right. And, and they're always going to be coming at it from their, pers- that perspective but that's not necessarily, you know, what needs to happen at, you know, other points in time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you, if everybody knows that, Oh, Hey, you know, John is a one say, John, you know, you're being one again. John's going, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. We can move on. Right. Um, You know, another, another thing is um, the two, you know, the two is, is called the helper and they, they want, they, they often know more than you do what you need. <laughs> That's just the way they're wired. So they're always trying to help, and what they need is appreciation. And so it's appreciation for the two. It's almost like oxygen. And so if you if you don't feed the two the appreciation, they're going to get grumpy. So if you if you know that. You know, then, you know, it's like when you see the two doing something, say, hey, you know, thank you so much for doing that. That was awesome. And and honestly, you can't thank a two enough. You really can't. So thank them all the time for six. If somebody starts to thank me too much, I start to get feel a little creepy. (laughs) It's like, why are you thanking me? It's just my job. Right. That's that's the way a lot of people think. But um, for the two, it's like, no, it's like, yeah bring it on thank me more i know i'm a two i know i need appreciation you can appreciate me all you want so i i'm hoping i'm answering answering the yeah. question you know it's you it's are. really about getting to know your team at that personal level so that it it just becomes natural and you don't have to think about it you you just know and and here's how the thing, you know, people love it when you really get to know them, when they really feel like, you know, them and they're being heard, you know, that's, you know, one of the most important things you can do as a leader. Mm-hmm. And, and so now you have this tool, this framework for, for getting to know people at, you know, just the, the, the most fundamental way. And, and people really respond well to that.
0: Well, and you kind of were going down a little bit of this uh, path too, Matt, I believe, in terms of not just about what the manager is getting out of understanding what each of their employees Enneagram number is, but the value of an entire team. Understanding what each other's Enneagram numbers are because, you know, as Mike was asking questions about effective teams and working more effectively and building teams, sometimes my personal belief, and you can play devil's advocate with me if you would like, Matt, is it's less about taking the results of somebody's assessment and saying, I'm going to grab everything that I think creates, you know, the silver bullet of a perfect team and pull this group of seven people together. And I know when I pull these seven people together, I'm always going to have an outstanding product. And it's more about, okay, I know where my weaknesses or maybe not even weaknesses, but just things that don't come as naturally to me. Like, you know, as an engineer, I would suspect that you're very detail-oriented and you indicated that you're very analytical. That's not the natural space that I work well in. Right. So if you were on my team Matt, if I was working on something that was really analytical, required a lot of synthesizing of large amounts of data, I would reach out to you and say, "Hey Matt, you know, do you have the capacity to help me with this or you know, maybe you're really good with Excel formulas and you can help me take this data and synthesize it into a way that I can make sense of it and share it back with my business. Right. So that's, I mean, that's how I see where things like an Enneagram, for example, can really be so valuable amongst a group of people.
2: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So just, just a quick story. Um, you know, I worked with an Enneagram type seven. So the Enneagram type seven, they're the enthusiast and they love to do work that is engaged with other people they love interacting with other people all the time. Um, they like doing new fun things all the time. Um, so they you know they tend to be you know they work in that space where you know they need to be interacting you know it might be project management, it might be um, marketing it might be it could even be engineering but but they're they're the ones who are you know kind of outwardly engaged. So I worked with this one Type Seven engineer, and um, he did a lot of travel, you know, and meeting a lot of people, and uh, you know, over the months he started to accumulate um, expense reports, and so I was getting calls from the accounting departments like, we we need him to submit his expense reports because he's you know backed up on submitting them. And, and so I would go to him and I'd say, hey, you know, um, we, we need you to, to submit these. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. And then th- he doesn't do it, right? Because, you know, doing expense reports is this detailed work with no interaction with other people, right? Just does not even make sense to the type seven at all to sit down and do that. And so he just never did. There was always something more exciting and fun and engaging to do with other people than to sit down at his desk and grind through all that and get receipts and everything. Tens of thousands of dollars that, we, that we owe, the company owed to him. <laughs> and in spite of that, that still wasn't enough motivation for him to sit down and do that. So finally, we found somebody. You know, who, who would sit down and go through this with him and and do that detailed work which he was happy to sit and work with somebody else and do it he just didn't want to do it by himself mm-hmm. so. I, can re- I can relate to that <laughs> expense, reports, <laughs> okay. expense reports are so boring
1: right uh, it's but, like you
2: may be a type seven michael
1: <laughs> I, yeah i don't know i'm curious uh, what anybody's guess is but Um, I, I do want to say something based on what Jess was saying and, uh, around understanding the types of your teams. And I, I imagine it kind of goes this way is there's probably a lot of interactions between teammates who don't understand another person's type where they maybe walk away feeling like, well, that wasn't a very fun experience or that person just isn't a nice, you know, they're not very nice. They're not very helpful when in fact, you're asking them maybe to do something or approaching them in a way that just doesn't fit into their type. Whereas if you know, and I go to Matt and it's something completely, you know, it's outside of six, it's a seven and you don't seem very excited about it. I already know this. I already
2: know why you're not excited and it builds empathy amongst the team. Is is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, and, and I wanted, you know, also just mention that, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, they, they, and and I'm just talking about not necessarily the leaders, but just, you know, you know, general employees, they, um, haven't necessarily thought about that. There are all of these different styles. So just awareness of that alone is, is valuable. And, um, you know, and if, If you're going to be doing like um, a a team building workshop where you you just want to get people to understand that there are different styles and not everybody is your style, you may not need something as uh, involved as the Enneagram to do that. You know, you you can use uh, you know DISC is is a great tool for doing that, right? And you're going to get you're going to get the team to come away with that understanding. You know, I'm a you know D with a some I or an S. You know, they'll they'll understand you know their own you know strength or or approach, and they'll start to appreciate that other people have these different approaches, so they're not assuming that everybody is like them because when you do that then you start to think you know what is wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with them <laughs> you know it's just that's just the, their approach so that's why i like i like the disc system for for that purpose of you know just just starting that conversation but you know when you when you get to the point where you're a leader and you want something a little more sophisticated and you want to be able to get to those underlying motivators, that's where it's really valuable as a leader. And then once the the leader of a team understands it and can have those conversations and kind of build your team to, to have that same understanding and vocabulary, that's when the, you know, the inter-team conversations um, can happen, and they can start to troubleshoot and and problem solve any, any kind of conflict that might arise on their own without the leader being involved, which is mm-hmm. where all leaders want to get to, I think, eventually.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Well, before we wrap things up here today, Matt, I want to help our listeners who are not familiar with Enneagram um, send them to the right place on where they can take the Enneagram. My understanding is that there are quite a few sites where you can do the Enneagram at no cost. It's free, but then there are probably a a place or two where you can go to pay a minimal fee. So I would love your insight into the um, accuracy of the free sites versus, you know, paying a minimal fee to take Enneagram. And then just as a side note for our listeners too, we obviously took a professional spin on this today because that's our expertise here on the, what the HR podcast, but if you find yourself kind of geeking out on Enneagram and really loving the tool there are some incredible books and resources for how to use Enneagram in personal relationships, like friendships and partnerships. Um, Also uh, great resources on how you can use Enneagram with your kids. So um, just know that there are an abundance of resources out there, depending on uh, how deep you want to go with Enneagram.
2: Right. Right. And, you know, so, so on, on the, um, the test itself. So I, I, I've tried several of these. I, I have one that I have a complimentary one myself. It's at, um, NES So people are welcome to use that. And, um, and I've, you know, had people take my test and other tests and it, you know very consistent results with with other tests as well so I'm pretty confident that that it's a good one but with, you know with the caveat that um, you know none of these tests um, is definitive you know it it, it 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 takes it takes the work of you know picking those top two or three to then you know do that deep dive into like you know what motivates you. And then once you know that core motivator, then you'll say, "Oh yeah, I'm the six. I'm I'm motivated this way rather than the eight, who's motivated that way." Um, so that so that's that. And and then um, if, if if I may, you know, um, the 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 Enneagram um, can definitely be used in uh, a professional setting, and that's why I I wrote my book from that perspective. It's it's you know, it's very um, you know, it has a, a brief overview of the of the Enneagram itself, but then it goes into the practical applications of how, you know, many, much of the stuff we talked about today, but you know, down at for each type, how you can use it to to work with teams um in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And so um you know, if, if you are um, just interested in a, like a brief introduction to it, um, there's, um, you know, Enneagram Made Simple which is a great book, a great starting point. And then um, and then, yeah, it, then it just goes from there. There's what's, so many resources out there.
1: Now So oh, what's a, can, can, you talk, can you do a quick shout out for your book? What's the name of it? Where can people find it?
2: Right, right. So it's um, it's called Teamwork 9.0 and the subtitle is Successful Workgroup Problem Solving Using the Enneagram, mm-hmm. and uh, you can find it on Amazon, and uh, it's uh, both on, you know, Kindle and uh, okay. paperback. We'll, uh, we'll link it in the
1: show notes. And then Thank you. in addition to when somebody understands Enneagram, do you work, do you do consulting with businesses then to like implement it or, you know, I- I'd love for people to know how they can reach out to you as well.
2: Right. Yeah. So, um, thanks for that. So my, um, website is evolutionaryteams.com and yes, you know, so I, um, work with teams to help them, um, you know, understand the Enneagram. I also work with teams, uh, just to facilitate problem solving, you know, um, the, the, the tool as a, um, uh, you know, a problem-solving process is really well-designed for um, conducting initiatives at companies. You know, for instance, if you want to, you know, implement a new, you know, software system, right, It that you need to bring together a cross-functional group of people from through throughout the company to implement that system. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you don't know what their Enneagram types or anything. So, but if you use that step-by-step process, you'll bring all the way through the people, the team all the way through from the beginning to the end. So sure. that's another thing I help teams with.
1: Great. And then as far as connecting with you on social media, I'm just in kind of the major, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc.
2: Yes. And um, I've been doing a number of, um, interviews with, um, Enneagram aware leaders of each type. Um, so, you know, people can find those, um, interviews on, um, YouTube. Um, and then also I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and, uh, and then you can also reach me at my website. Awesome. Well, Matt, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I really enjoyed speaking with you today and thanks for all the great questions. You
0: bet. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcshrm.org If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, Please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.